Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. Between the two of us, Sherry, who do you think likes Saturday Night Live the most? Maybe me, because you had kind of forgotten about it for a few weeks lately, and I would inquire yeah, when about the, it. Yeah, when the new season started in the fall, yeah. I didn't even realize they were back doing new episodes, yeah. and you did remember. I don't know, though. I mean, I remember both of us talking about how much we liked it as a kid, and we would sneak up or you know, to watch it or stay up late to watch it. It really was yeah. great, and I know some people think that I feel like there's always naysayers that say it's not as good as it used to be. I think it goes in ebbs and flows and Yeah. But I think it's pretty darn good right now. Yeah. I think they're I think they're very, very funny. I love when they do the holiday compilations. <laughs> the you know, here's all of our best Christmas skits. Yeah. Of course, Dick in a Box is really, really good. I think I kind of surprised you and this might prove to our listeners how much more I like Saturday Night Live than you. Sweaty balls? No. Well, last year, I was prepping Christmas dinner. It was a very COVID Christmas, you know, no family. Very COVID Christmas. No other family in town. Our daughter was home for an extended uh, break from college because they were shutting down. They didn't want kids coming back and forth from Thanksgiving to Christmas and spreading the virus and everything because people were not of our age and generation were not allowed to be vaccinated yet. But I think I surprised... All of you, as you came trickling into the kitchen, because we have a kitchen TV, I had, like, the best of Christmas episodes going on, on YouTube, playing on the uh, TV screen, and it just kind of went through all the favorite ones, all the good ones, and yes, I think that we had to rewind sweaty balls and get all of our children in there to watch It's fun times. having them of an age where there's definitely some SNL stuff that we wish yeah. they weren't watching or picking and we up do on, like kind of yeah, they're kind of close enough do kind of okay. like shelter the younger one a little bit still we'll like talk over all i'll like talk over really loud like if there's a sexual reference you know yeah um but for the most part i think they're able to you know appreciate the humor and i think most of our kids really really like comedians and comic relief so i think they appreciate yeah and and you know so we've got the christmas compilation that the Halloween, there's you and I have our favorite Halloween ones. Which they never show Certainly, my favorite. David Pumpkins is a is a recent, it's a cult classic, immediate mm-hmm. uh, recent one. But the the thing we want to talk about today is of course there are tons of Thanksgiving skits that they've done over the years. <laughs> yeah. Most of them have a family sitting around a dinner table and then something goes awry, of course. And often, maybe maybe always, there is a drunk uncle at the dinner table, you know? Mm-hmm. So if the skit isn't specifically about... I, I know there was one where they were talking about politics, and so everyone's just drinking like crazy, and then mm-hmm. they have a big, a big fight about politics. It goes from a conversation to a fight because everyone's drunk. But even when alcohol isn't the center point of the conversation on the Thanksgiving ones, there's always at least a drunk uncle at the table. Well, there is a character drunk uncle. So. Well, that's true. That too. Yeah, but there is always someone who... Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. Yeah. Just just trying to oh, flex just... my SNL muscles okay, over here. Okay. My SNL trivia muscles. 
But or I was just ten. wondering, Sherry, what it was like to be married to Drunk Uncle. Oh, God. I mean, at our Thanksgiving table, you weren't worried about... Well, first of all, we should say that we have, for our entire married life, I guess there was a brief period where we were kind of close to family, but for the most part, we've been a thousand plus miles away from the rest of our family for our entire married life. So we have always had Thanksgiving has just been our family for the most part. Yeah. And so that being said, there hasn't been out-of-town relatives or extended family to come and and get drunk at our Thanksgiving table. It's always just been me, yours truly. Well, I don't want to flex my memory muscle on you, but for a long time when we had the children and they were young, the bakery was super busy. So we had... My mother, my side of the family, we kind of called it my side of the family did Christmas or Thanksgiving. Your side of the family did Christmas. They came out and watched the kids while we worked at the bakery, super long, crazy hours. But when you say they, it was. It was parents. Pretty much just your mom. Yeah, my mom. Your sister came once, right? Yeah. 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 And then. So you're right. Thanks for correcting me. Your mom was here when so the kids they, were younger. So we did, yeah, we did have... So she got to see me be drunk and, uncle too. Yes, my mom and my sister got to see you at your best. Yeah. Or worst. Yeah. One of the things that was unique about our work situation with Thanksgiving until recently was that I had to work on the Friday after Thanksgiving. I think there are a lot of people in retail, certainly in, in the food sector of retail that feel like the holidays are kind of a double-edged sword. I know this is how I always felt. I guess I shouldn't speak for anyone else. I'll just tell you what I think. We would be super busy leading into a holiday like Thanksgiving. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving was always the busiest day of the year for us. And then it would be dead Mm -hmm. after to the point where it was barely worthwhile to be open. And if you averaged the, call it five days before Thanksgiving with the five days after, it was just like a normal week. And Mm -hmm. so here we are thinking we're going to be super busy. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be physically demanding, mentally challenging. At least we're going to bank a bunch of money. But, oh, yeah, guess what? We're going to give all that money away the week after. And the reason that's important is because it goes to my mental state Mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving. We So we I had to work the Friday after Thanksgiving. And I know for our listeners, they're going to be, I would say, the majority of our listeners, the... The alcoholic in the family that's causing them to to be followers and listeners of the Intoxicated Podcast probably didn't have to work the Friday after Thanksgiving because that's a very common day, a vacation day for many, many people. Mm-hmm. But I did have to work. And I, I mean, I can remember the feelings like it was yesterday. The Wednesday night, once all the work was done, you know, busiest day of the year, like I said, extremely stressful and physically demanding. I would feel such a feeling of relief and drink, but not, I can't remember a lot of Wednesdays before Thanksgiving where I caused a lot of trauma. I mean, I think I was just too happy at that point and relieved and tired. And tired. I definitely drank. Yeah. I'm not trying to say I didn't drink. You probably went to sleep rather than passed it, out because yeah. you were so tired. Well, yeah. But either way, there was... I can't even remember a single time where there was a lot of dramatic, awful, no arguing or anything like that. I was just relieved that it was over. Would that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think 
there were times during that week, like when my mom and sister would be around, that there would be tension. But that's, I think, because they had a little bit of animosity towards you. They knew about your overconsumption. They both had been married to alcoholics or were married to an alcoholic. And so they were frustrated and disappointed. But nothing that was too out of hand or too crazy that there was a big argument or a big scene or hurt feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... And just... I just want to add, like, your level of stress that week made you a little bit more on edge, perhaps, around them, and they took it a little more offensively, maybe, you know, just because you had a lot going on and, like, trying to figure out how to... Prior to Thanksgiving, I think the good news is I wasn't around enough for it to turn into a conflict with when, Mm -hmm. when your mom and sister were here. But I'm even thinking, I mean, that was years and years ago. Yeah. There were, you know, the better part of a a decade of me, maybe not quite that much, but years, five, six, whatever years of me drinking when I was still drinking and us doing Thanksgiving alone without anyone in town. Right. And I just remember that, that feeling on Wednesday night was a, was one of those rare kind of euphoric feelings that at least in the immediate term didn't really have a downside. There wasn't going to be a ton of overconsumption and staying up late and arguing. None of that was going to happen because it was just the relief, the natural feeling of relief from getting through a stressful experience was enough that I guess I didn't have to over-medicate as I so often did. But then on Thanksgiving Day itself, gosh, I don't know if there's any better example for me of what the progression looked like from good to bad. To use really fancy, elaborate words. Good to bad. I mean, I would start out the day feeling great. I I was a big... I have always been. I still am a big fan of Thanksgiving, of what it stands for. I love that it's not a present-giving holiday. It's about gratitude and family. And those are two things that I think are really important. So, I I know for, for a good number of years there, we had a neighborhood soccer game set up for Thanksgiving morning with myself and the kids and some of the other dads that, that I played soccer with and and their kids that I, some of them I coached. Um, and we, you know, I think it's really traditional in the United States to have a football game on, on Thanksgiving morning. In fact, the park that we would go to, to play our soccer game, it would be us playing soccer and then maybe five or six other groups playing football. So you know, if you're more of a football fan, you can just substitute that that mm-hmm. kind of thought process for soccer. But, you know, pick up soccer game, 15, 20 kids and adults playing soccer for an hour and a half, two hours. And I remember we would always, somebody would always bring beer. It wasn't always me. It was usually me. Or I would bring it and somebody else would too. And then so if we started the game at 9 o'clock in the morning, we're done at 10.30. 10.30, we're popping beers to start the day. And I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, how good that beer tasted and how proud I felt, proud to have accomplished a really difficult week, proud that I had gotten some exercise on a day that was going to be all about gluttony. And those first couple, you know, we'd usually chug one and then have another one at the park and then everyone would go off to their their family Thanksgiving plans. And so I'd come home and at 10.45 or 11 o'clock in the morning, I'd already had two beers 
And I don't know that there was really many times in my drinking career when I felt better than that, that late Thanksgiving morning. I had the rest of the day off and I had some, like I said, some accomplishments under my belt. Felt good about myself. Why don't you tell us what what was Thanksgiving morning like for you, especially, you know, toward the end when you had some Thanksgiving history under your belt and you had some expectations for how the day was going to go? Um, I guess you're right. I had some Thanksgivings under my belt. I knew what to expect and uh, I think I got better at handling your drinking and I didn't get shocked or surprised if you were drunk and I was thankful that the turkey was something that was you had done it so many times and it was kind of we, uh, we grill our turkey. You grill your turkey. So it led you it let you be outside and you kind of paid attention to it and I I mean I'm sure there were times where the turkey took longer, maybe because you hadn't watched the temperature. Um but you but didn't start I, out Thanksgiving morning full of dread? Uh, probably because I knew that I would, you would, you know, it would be awful. I guess it would depend on who was here and how things were going. I don't necessarily think I woke up dreading the whole day. Um, I know sometimes I was surprised at how much you drank, like, at the soccer or right away. Um, I remember one time, I feel like there was, I, we had a Bloody Mary mix that was gifted to us or sampled to us at the bakery. And I thought that would be kind of fun. And then I was like, oh, but he won't just have one that's weak. He'll have one that's really strong and then another. So that's, you know, probably not a good thing. And so I remember that caused some controversy. Because, because I wanted to and you didn't want to? Because... I thought that I would have, like, one week Bloody Mary at the soccer game, and then you were, like, shocked that I brought that, and I don't remember. I just remember that being there at the soccer field with the Bloody Mary and the Bloody Mary mix and the vodka and stuff, I just remember, like, you were thrown off or frustrated that I brought it or, I don't know, something. Hmm. Um, But I knew that there would be a lot of, like goofing around with the kids and they liked to be outside and it wasn't up until like the dinner time like the meal time yeah is when it started to catch up with you and it started because then you know even when it was my schedule turn to work on Fridays at our bakery you started doing it as a favor to me especially when there was no family in town watching the kids so then I could have a day off with the kids and do something. So then the dread and I think the anxiety and the disappointment because of how busy we had been and how great it was, you knew it would be the complete opposite at the bakery for the next two days. So I think that started to leak in by the time we ate dinner and then alcohol started to catch up with you. And Yeah, a couple timing things that I think are important to mention here. So I... I, I was almost never a morning drinker. And when I say almost never... At the end, at the end of my drinking, I was a, occasionally a morning drinker, very, very medicinally. There was nothing celebratory about it. It was vodka because I felt like shit. 
and it was usually like a Monday morning after a big, big drinking weekend, or maybe a Tuesday morning. But it it wasn't an everyday. I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. drink so that I could get out of bed and go to work. It never quite got there. It would have. It would have eventually, but it never got there. So, you know, for and I know a lot of people. Five o'clock is the the unofficial um, socially acceptable time to start drinking. In my family, it was always noon, you know, and it would be beers at noon. It's not like in my family we ever started doing tequila shots at noon or anything like that. But it was okay to drink beer at noon. And so one of the things that made Thanksgiving Day so special for me with this little neighborhood soccer match was that we would start drinking before noon. And, of course, it was socially acceptable because I wasn't the only one doing it. The other Mm -hmm. people that were there were doing it. So it always made me feel like there's permission because it was a holiday. It was a special day. It was a, holiday. It was it was a unique a, day. One of the biggest holidays. Yeah. yeah. Very unique. And so when... I think that timing is important because those first few beers before noon, they were especially impactful, not on a blood alcohol level, but emotionally they were especially... It was like, like a kid in a candy store. Because sad as it is to admit, especially toward the end when the addiction had totally taken hold waiting until noon or at least close to noon to start drinking was very stressful for me sometimes that's really embarrassing but and I'm talking about on the weekends I didn't drink it on noon during work days but but on a football Saturday in the fall college football Saturday in the fall I I mean I would be looking at the clock every five minutes to see what time it was because I wanted to start drinking so there was something extra special about timing there. And then the other timing I wanted to mention is, I, I don't think we, you and I, I don't think we have a set time when we have Thanksgiving dinner. I think your family growing up, it was an early afternoon meal. And my family growing up, Thanksgiving dinner was at dinner time, like five or six in the evening. And so I think as we blended our two families and we had kids of our own, we kind of went back and forth. We kind of adjusted. But often... It was in the evening. Mm-hmm. Early it was evening, it was yeah. dark. It was like getting dark or dark. Yeah, because we kind of because you know you we had the bakery, so we had to get up and we had kids and you wanted we wanted to clean up and you always said I want to be able to have a turkey sandwich before I go to bed. So, but we, then we would eat late anyway, and that never happened. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I do. I, I know I remember saying that. But the, the reason that that's significant is because I started drinking really early. And then if we had dinner in the, you know, five Early, o'clock or yeah. something when the sun was going down, um, I had had a lot to drink by then. Mm-hmm. And often I switched from just drinking beer to switch wine, to drinking wine had... at dinner. And even though the blood out al- or the, uh, the alcohol by volume isn't significantly different, it's a yeah. little different in wine. It, threw you it would off. just, oh man. That was the worst for me. For you, to see you, and I don't know how it felt inside your body, but I could tell right away. You could have had, you know, seven beers, and you had a glass and a half of wine, and I'd be like, "You sound slurry and drunk." It was just amazing what wine did to you, because I often got to see that at Christmas time when your parents were here. Yeah, because your dad likes to drink wine at dinner, and your mom likes to drink wine at dinner. Yeah, so I got to see that, but 
Yeah, that's one reason I was kind of glad, like, at least my family didn't drink that much. But we often did have a nice bottle of wine if we had um, my family in town. And they would, you know, my mom and sister would have some. But I remember one time watching the kids play in the leaves in the backyard. And it was dark. And we have all glass windows in the back of our house and you were in the our kitchen. Our windows are glass. I'm sorry. All <laughs> of our walls are just glass windows in the back of our house and that's where the kitchen is. And I remember like my mom sitting in a chair watching the kids and she could look up and me and you and we could see you just swigging from the bottle of wine because we were done eating dinner and you were cleaning up and you were just drinking from the bottle of wine. Nice. That's classy. Yeah, that was real classy. Yeah. So did you have feel dread then when you're out oh, with the yeah. kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I got to go in that house eventually oh, and yeah. something awful is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. So the other the other piece of timing that I think is important, and this might, again, be unique to me because when we owned our whole grain bread bakery and, and I knew I had to work on Friday and it, and the business, business was going to be terrible on Friday, um, that it, it you could get whiplash from... The emotional change that would take place in me. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about how alcoholics drinkers are just not really good at processing emotions because instead of processing them, they drink them away. And that's true. I was emotionally super immature, but I could still feel that shift from, oh my gosh, it's 1030 in the morning. I'm with a bunch of friends and my kids are here and I've just gotten exercise and we're starting to drink. I mean, Feeling as good as good can feel Very to just feeling, a huh? few hours later, you know, full and just you've been eating all day, gluttonous and uncomfortable from the food and intoxicated and just full of dread for what was coming at me the next morning. And the frequency with which that would turn sour and turn into arguments for you and me. I mean, it was pretty much every, pretty much every Thanksgiving. I guess there were, there were some exceptions where it, it wasn't bad, but I remember one and I don't remember the details. I think your mom was here though. I remember one that was so bad that I I just remember, I remember talking to you on the phone that next day on Friday and you were just livid. Like, I don't even know if I was welcome to come home. I, f- I feel like that's why I was calling you, because I wasn't welcome to come home. And I don't know if you have any recollections of that. But your mom was definitely here. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I was talking on the phone, because I didn't want to come home and have you know continue the argument that had started the night before in front of your mother. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd call you and see if we could hash it out that way. Mm-hmm. That one doesn't stand out to you, huh? It's not well, maybe. Enough. Well, I mean, I remember that, but I wasn't necessarily remembering it as being a Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving one argument. Oh, the one I'm thinking of definitely was. Yeah. Probably. So, wonder if it was the night you were just drinking the wine from the bottle. Yeah, probably was. Mm-hmm. Probably was. Mm-hmm. Are there any, you know, I mean, we could just lump all this into Thanksgiving was traumatic and dramatic because I drink too much and become an asshole but are there any specifics that stand out to you not as bad I feel like 
I feel like I don't have anything that's very specific. Um, and sometimes I feel like maybe they weren't terribly um, bad arguments because there was no other like tension. I mean, yes, the the whiplash of emotions and the whiplash of the business, but I also think maybe because there wasn't other energies and in the house it was a little easier to contain it seemed more like a a weekend or usually you were just also so tired that it was a pass out night um so i can't really remember i'm sorry no i know i'm normally very good at all this but hey if you're gonna tell me that your (laughs) memories of trauma are fading i am not gonna be disappointed it'll be just fine I, uh, and I'm thinking that sometimes maybe the weekends were bad, more worse, you know, than Thanksgiving night or maybe Saturday night. I don't know. Just because of, because you were very easily swayed by our business, your emotions were very, you were very connected to that. You, um, wore them. I wouldn't say you even felt them. You wore them. Like, when thing like, it was kind of slow. So, I, I, in my mind, I feel like the weekend was worse because of the up and down. And I would say things like, every year we do this, Matt. Every year we have done this. You know, 12 years we've done this. 11 years we've done Like, it does, it's not any different. It's going to be a slow weekend. We know it. Mm-hmm. It all just evens out at the end of the month. Like, and I would get frustrated because I would think, how do you not remember yeah. this? But Yeah. Well, I, I think you bring up a good point. It's, it's not uncommon for any holiday, for the holiday itself, to be something that we get through. Um, certainly, there are tons of stories of, I mean, I can think of tons of stories right off the top of my head of people that we've, we've met and worked with where, like, Christmas Eve was the worst day of their life halloween was the worst night of their life so there are lots of cases where that's that's you know the way it plays out but also but but there are lots of others and that fill in just like you just described the holiday itself's okay but it's the aftermath of the holiday there's kind of a letdown all of that celebrating is over with i gotta go back to my my work schedule Mm -hmm. there's nothing more to look forward to um, or coming off of Thanksgiving, you know, for those that celebrate Christmas, Christmas is a very stressful time of year in addition to hopefully being somewhat joyful. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, Thanksgiving is over, which just means not only do I have my work stress, but I've got the holiday stress coming at me. Yeah. And so it's, it's very common for the, the worst of the worst to happen, not on the holiday itself, but a few days after. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm definitely glad you brought that up. Um, let's talk just a little bit about what it's been like in sobriety. I think it's super important for anyone who's new in sobriety, both the drinker and the loved one, to understand that your first couple of Thanksgivings, uh, they're not going to be, in, in all likelihood, they're not going to be just rosy because alcohol is not in the picture. Even if you've had 
you know, weeks, months, half a year, three quarters of a year, something like that of sobriety, and you're used to the new routine of not drinking, when those holidays come around, it is a, it's something that you haven't experienced yet in sobriety, and you've got to go through it a few times before it starts to be smooth and the cravings go away. I remember being feeling really traumatized. Traumatized might be too hard a word. Stressed, depressed. Um, definitely feel like I was missing out, like I was being punished. When I would, like you said, we grill our turkey. When I would be out there at the grill for hours on that first Thanksgiving and I couldn't drink in sobriety. And and then I would start to beat myself up because I would I would think, you know, gosh, you've been sober for for me it was coming up on a year when that first Thanksgiving hit. Been sober for eleven months and you know, most of the cravings have gone away. Why are you just wallowing in self pity and cravings on this Thanksgiving day? It's it's just a Thursday. It's just a day leading into another weekend. You've had, you know, I guess forty some of these have come and gone. But so I didn't understand and part of what we were trying to do on this podcast is help people understand each each annual event, whether it's a holiday or a birthday that comes around, it's not just like a normal Thursday. It's not just like a normal weekend and you don't have a bunch of examples in your pocket where you were sober. It's something brand new. You haven't been through Thanksgiving sober it doesn't matter how many Thursdays you've been through sober. Thanksgiving is a standalone traumatic event. And so, and that same holds true for, for the other holidays that are coming behind Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So for me, that first Thanksgiving sober was brutal. The second one was semi-brutal. It's only now, you know, in five years sober where I'm starting to really enjoy the holidays as they come around because the the cravings just kind of don't exist anymore or they just kind of nibble around the edges a little bit once in a while. And I've got memories of previous Thanksgivings that didn't include alcohol and that's where my brain goes. Oh, you remember last year when, you know, we played darts? I think we played darts last year. I don't know why I remember that. But... Because it was a gorgeous day and we were outside. Yeah. Yeah. We lucked out. We had music and we played darts. Oh, we had a fire. We had a fire in the fire pit outside. Mm -hmm. That's right. So these are things (laughs) that I can look forward to that didn't have alcohol as a part of them at all. And so I I know this Thanksgiving is going to be great Mm -hmm. no matter what happens because alcohol won't be a part of it and alcohol cravings will almost, you know, 90 something percent of the day will not be a part of it. I might get a tinge here and there. Mm Mm-hmm. But nothing that'll be hard to fend off. Well, I can tell you how you avoid getting a tinge is you don't watch the football games that are on TV. Hmm. You watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the um, dog show. Oh, the Westminster, the Westminster dog, dog show. show. Sharing they do not Thanksgiving advertise. tradition. They do, not, they do not advertise alcohol. Or, so, meh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm with you on the parade, but I... I don't think I can do the dog show. Although the Detroit Lions are pretty unwatchable, and they play every every Thanksgiving, so uh, that may be enough to make a person want to drink just to be forced to watch the Detroit Lions play. But good point. I'm still I'm not going to watch the dog show. Sorry. That okay. Is, you you can you can enjoy that though. Okay. I'll be outside 
with the kids and the darts and the fire pit. Mm-hmm. What was, do you have any recollection? And I love that these traumatic memories are fading, but do you have any recollection of the first couple of sober Thanksgiving Thanksgivings? Were you afraid that I'd, the pressure would be too much and I would relapse? I, that first and second, for sure. I was very worried that the pressure would be too much and that you would relapse. Um, because we had alcohol in the house still because your family, um, your parents drink. And so we still had it and you were adamant about me not taking it out of the house. I mean, granted, I don't think there was anything that you was, that you would particularly like that was in the house. But it doesn't matter. If you, you wanted to drink, like, you, yeah. you would You make it sound like I was that choosing. Picky. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was very worried because I had had experience of you caving under the pressure, per se, around an event that you had tied to alcohol. Let's talk about what my relapses looked like. They, I wasn't, I was never a sneaky drinker. I would, I was sneaky about how much I drank, but I never thought I could get away with hiding whether or not I was drinking, so I never tried. Yeah. So a relapse for me looked like, you know, it always started with, Sherry, we need to talk. Or I just see you with a beer in your hand. Like, you didn't always, like, just, we need to talk. Sometimes you would just be drinking. Or actually, I think one of the times you just had a, what I thought was a glass of water, but it was just a pint full of vodka Mm. with some ice in it. And I thought you were drinking a glass of water. I told you I was going to start drinking. That's my jerk Matt voice. Mm, um, it's pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, often we need to talk or I've been thinking. But so... you another line. You weren't... But the point is you weren't like private investigator sniffing mm-hmm. around trying no. to figure out if you... If I was spending too much time in the basement. No. Is he you, down there sneaking out? You aren't a liar at heart. You... It would... You you would be eaten up with your own guilt if you lied. But so did you spend those first couple of Thanksgivings, like, f- afraid that I was going to come in and say, Sherry, we need to yeah, talk? Yeah, and I think I, I tried to, like, tried to do some things, and then I thought, gosh, maybe the soccer thing isn't a great thing. Um, you had already stopped drinking and been around your soccer guys, but that was a whole new sort of experience at being outside because you played in an indoor men's league. So, you know, it was just enough difference that I was like, ooh, that's going to be a trigger. That's going to be a, oh, you know, there are going to be people there that don't know you aren't drinking anymore that are going to be ex- maybe extended family or friends that were invited along that usually, you don't that has no idea you don't drink. Just, just that habit of you grilling, you know, because really I think those, that first year, maybe first two summers you didn't really grill that much i mean no, it was, because it was, one it was of the activities that was closely tied to alcohol for me and i i had no joy in grilling for a long time right so um a i, long I time, thought years the, yeah i thought the grilling would be enough to just send you over the edge of of tying that and associating that to alcohol so you're kind of walking around on eggshells um because you're worried about what's mm-hmm. going to happen and I know I was like over functioning, like, oh, do you think we should have this? Like asking you about recipes or talking just to, to distract you, know, me? To, yeah, trying to distract you or let's play board games, let's play family board games, um, you know. Yeah. So different things that we would have 
normally not done. Do you, now, like last year or this thanks this Thanksgiving that's this week, do you um, do you feel like there's any stress of that level or any dread? I guess is the right word. No. Or is that just all gone? That's all gone. That's good. I was very glad that. That's something to be thankful yeah, for. Exactly. So I feel like there was a few Thanksgivings ago where it had where it was snowy and yucky and rainy, and I remember thinking to myself, "I'm very glad that this is not the first Thanksgiving where he's grilling the turkey, being sober, because it would have just like I mean it was just looked like it was miserable, but you were out there doing it and the kids were helping you and you know." holding an umbrella over the grill and and I just kept thinking to myself I think that was like three Thanksgiving I don't remember that at all but it was yucky and weather and I was like oh god it just looks like that would have thrown you over the edge in that first year of sobriety well I guess you know the message is that we just can't emphasize enough every alcoholic I've ever met in sobriety wants to get there and it takes them a long time to realize, oh, there is no there. This is just a continuing process of enlightenment and growth. And there's no finish line to cross. But early on, we all just want to get there. And if that's your mentality, I can tell you with a pretty good amount of confidence, unless unless you're just really a unique person, that you're not going to be there your first year, even if you're 11 months sober. When you hit Thanksgiving, and you, you're going to struggle your second year too, and it's part of it. And if you're the loved one of an alcoholic, uh, that anxiety, that that feeling of dread, and just hyper vigilance that is some is a place that you lived in day in and day out during the active part of the alcoholism. That's going to come back on Thanksgiving in all likelihood. And like I said, I shouldn't. I shouldn't speak for everybody. I'm just saying it's highly likely that um, the experience that you're going to have this week is going to, you know, hopefully there's some great times mixed in there, but there's going to be some unpleasantness, some discomfort as well. And we just don't want it to take you by surprise. Mm -hmm. I want you to be prepared for it and and know that down the road, when you get a, a few of these sober turkey days under your belt, then... You know, it, it can be smooth and comfortable and all of these feelings of anxiety can go away. You know what makes my anxiety go away on Thanksgiving, Sherry? The cranberry sauce? No. The eating, the delicacy. Oh, the, don't, don't. One of the reasons. Please do not share that with our listeners. One of the reasons that the don't. kids and I are Please outside don't. and you're inside. Uh. It's because you miss out on eating the turkey neck which is just a sailor's family tradition probably have me said and that our in kids your voice that you used uh for that goofy podcast a couple weeks ago when you had the weird accent we're eating a turkey neck, yeah. neck out there turkey necks ah save the neck for me clark <laughs> yes yes doesn't it that is. yeah it's it's really but it, it's a fun tradition for the kids and i even our beautiful, you know, late teenage daughter yeah, who is daughter. otherwise, I don't know, not not prissy. What's the word? She's she's just all um, 
beautiful know. young woman. <laughs> yeah. And she's out there with grease from ear to ear trying to get a good chunk of the neck. I, I can't even like imagine how this started in your, was this your grandpa's? I think my grandfather ate the neck and I did everything my grandfather did, including drink a bunch of alcohol. Yeah. So maybe this is the year for new Thanksgiving traditions for you. Listener, maybe you should try grilling your turkey. And if you're out there and you got the grill fired up, you might as well season it up and throw that neck on there. Grab the kids. Have a good time. Yuck. Sherry. Sherry won't be having her part, so uh, yeah. Try it. Try it before you knock it. Well, we're thankful for you, our listeners. God, you had to throw some cheesy Thanksgiving reference in there on the Thanksgiving episode, Matt. Well done. We're thankful for you, our listeners, who have uh, made the Intoxicated podcast the success it is, and we hope you'll keep listening. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to soberevolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.